We are rolling. Welcome to another episode of the Propaganda Report. This is Monica Perez here with Brad Binkley. How are you doing, Binkley? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. See, that was straight. Sometimes I wonder if you're going to throw me for no, a one throw out there sometimes. <laughs> you got to keep people, you know. Keep them on their toes. Exactly. So what's going on? What's new? Well, there's been a new update on the Las Vegas mass shooting. I don't know if you saw that. I'll tell you, I stopped following this stuff in detail with like the Boston Marathon bombing because I had to do a show that night. I've told this story before, but it's relevant. I had to do a show that night. I was filling in for somebody in, on the weeknight on WSB, and I felt I was, I was new to the business, and I felt like I had to really get all the facts nailed down so I could answer questions people call. I could, ha- I could really know my stuff. And I noticed from one newspaper to the next, from one day to the next, really important facts were contradicted one to the next. And I would say I would call BS on that because that's not reporting. That's not journalism. What the heck? And nobody was talking about that. And people would say, oh, well, they rush to report and all this kind of stuff. And I've read since then numerous, uh, or maybe it's just one big study referred to more than once, but credible stuff that like in the way, way back, like with the Texas Tower shooting and other events like this, historically until fairly recently, initial reports were almost, were basically absolutely accurate. Certainly, like body counts didn't change. There was none of that. And uh, sometimes, you know, they find a body somewhere where they didn't look, I guess. I don't know. I just, I, the accuracy of reporting was absolutely. Uh, excellent back then. They were, the police were responsible. Uh, and they could find, you know, just it, it, it didn't, it was not consistent with what I've seen in the Boston Marathon bombing. And then after that, since then, when I've tried to follow stories like this, they change. You, you, you have to read it all day, every day, just to keep up on the, on the moving pieces. And by the end, you know that many, many, many of those moving pieces were never true. Yeah. And you wasted your time. And that's why I, that's like, the only two reasons I've ever stopped following somebody is being rude to me or wasting my time on purpose. And I feel like some of this stuff is meant to waste your time on purpose. I agree. I think there's a lot of intentional distraction there to keep people, keep keep them occupied and distracted. I think that's definitely part of it. I think it's also interesting, speaking to what you were just saying, how right after this story came out, the next day there's like a hundred articles about how Facebook and Twitter and Google, they let fake news that has already been debunked come to the top. But now every story, every media outlet initially reported has in one way or another been debunked. So everybody's reporting fake news. So that it's just, you're right. It's just a big uh, mass confusion. That's interesting. And the changing story is the story now. So the headlines are changing timeline, blah, blah, blah. You know, absolutely, and I, I agree with you. It's easy to get caught up. It's intoxicating to get caught up in the details in this because you're I call it truth porn. I yeah, put a glossary entry, truth porn. One. And I try to make sure I don't get too caught up into it, but I did let myself get caught up into this one a little bit. But I tried not to go into the a lot of the minute details. I try to stick to things that I myself can confirm, which is not too much. I can only confirm statements that are said. Really, right. images can be doctored. I can't really judge that all that well. But when people are making conflicting statements and then they're removing videos from, you know, 60 Minutes website and stuff like that, I can point that stuff out because that I think that stuff to me anyway 
Well, you know, I, I, I try to analyze the media, and so that's part of it. Anyway, I think that's relevant to, you know. What I yeah, do. it definitely will demonstrate that how irresponsible. Let's just give them the benefit of the doubt that they're just grossly irresponsible. But when I, you know, didn't know, don't do their homework, uh, just read what comes off the teletype machine. But when I was reading the Wall Street Journal today about this, you know, some of the changes, it said, well, we haven't been able to verify this or there's dispute, but but what if it is true? And then it writes an entire article. I mean, this is valuable a discussion on what if it is true, you know? Yeah, but this is the Wall Street Journal. These are like 10 pages of print. Like there is not a lot of real estate there on that paper to to make a speculative article. That That's the kind of stuff that I feel is surely there. I, I mean, that's just for me has must be a purely propaganda purpose. Yeah, there's some heavy propaganda going on in this instance anyway. But I don't understand the point. The point has to be the media coverage because the point – it's not pushing an agenda. It's pushing the idea that the media is genuinely confused. Yeah, there's the confusion of the media, but there's also – there's also the social conditioning of all of these stories. If we take away any immediate propaganda objectives, all of them have a broad-range propaganda objective of – conditioning the culture to accept something in you know maybe five years maybe 10 years as being normal so it's creating a new normal that people react to in their everyday lives and what is that normal that you're talking about that's we would have to we'd have to actually step back and gauge how the public is truly affected by this not not really the event but by the reporting on the event right see for me and I think you, as rational people who are still capable of critical thinking, we look at this stuff and think this is proof that the media is just completely full of it. But I think the message they're trying to say is it, it somehow, may, you know, I don't want to go, I, I don't really have a firm grasp on what I think the point is, but we have been talking about for a while now, and I think it is absolutely true for whatever reason that they're trying to pull evidence you know, facts, verification, logic out of out of the media, even the mainstream media. And somehow I think that's supposed to circle back and support the notion of uh, trusted sources or legitimate sources, which is a word that's been popping up since that kind of YouTube suppressing conspiracy theories and their searches that that they want to promote. I think I forget the word they use, but promote uh um, was it valid sources or whatever? So that that the label of valid is just is kind of arbitrary. You can't evaluate it yourself by the quality of the reporting. You have to just trust it. You have to trust these. Yeah, there's gonna it's it's 1984. So there's a few trusted sources, and they want to silence or at least make people not believe anybody else other than these main few. But the funny part is they are the ones who are full of shit. Yeah, falling on their faces and all of this. Like that's the crazy part, but it always circles back to we really need to just and and you've played clips like this with Don Lemon or uh Anderson Cooper saying uh, atta- uh, doing that ad hominem logical fallacy where they say so you're suggesting that we trust Alex Jones over uh, Jay Tapper. I mean, that's just who that's illogical. <laughs> it's like it's not illogical. I mean, they're both equally yeah, they just, have a different way of just, being accepted. But, One of them is, is over the top. One of them is passive aggressive. But they are both – they both <laughs> tell truth sometimes, and they both slip lies within those 
it's just there's no reason to trust either of them. Like, that's the thing. Why should we trust Jake Tapper over Alex Jones? And they say it's just obvious. You know what I mean? It's obvious. Like, why? Why? Because Jake Tapper's friends control the media, so we should trust him, you know, because he gets a more positive spin in the media. Yeah, and my my feel, I think Alex Jones is an operative of some kind, but I still think that more of what he says is true than what Jake Tapper says. Like, true, true. I agree with that. He has to say true stuff because he's talking to skeptics who actually try to figure out the truth. Then he tries to trip him up by throwing in the agenda item he wants. But Jake Tapper doesn't have to live up to that standard because people who consume his news just gobble it up at for you know at face value. And a lot of these people that consume his news are these highbrow intellectuals whom if you pose the Alex Jones or Jake Tapper question to would automatically respond – as though the question were absurd. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's that idea that the question is absurd. If you hang around with these types, the more successful kind of Ivy League types I know, they look at the system as being good, like correct, because they succeed in it. And they are the last people you will ever get to kind of examine the assumptions, the premises. That's what my sister called the ethical glass ceiling. That people, and I think maybe it was John Updike or somebody said, basically to paraphrase, you can't get a man to acknowledge a fact if his wallet, his paycheck depends on him not acknowledging it, you know, not understanding it. He can't understand something. It's an ego protection. And the type of people you're talking about are the type of people that propagandists talk about being the most vulnerable to propaganda. Because they refuse to believe it to be possible that they could ever be deceived. Oh, if that's so interesting. They play to their ego and they target them with this intellectual yet still emotionally charged propaganda. And they know the people would never fathom that maybe somebody deceived them. It was, it was very cool. emotional. And I did actually also read, was it Colonel House or one of the early CFR types or New World Order things like 100 years ago, where they said you have to get somebody like FDR or Carter or Obama who had, or Woodrow Wilson, who have these enormous egos and who would never think for a second they could be fooled or manipulated, that they're the ones who just eat right out of your hands. They don't even do the homework because <laughs> they think oh, they're they smart enough to pass. The British during World War One. While America was still neutral and didn't want to go into the war, they targeted their propaganda against us to persuade us to join them. And the group of people that they targeted first and foremost was our intellectuals, our professors at these big Ivy League schools, the people who thought themselves to be just so smart. And they mocked how stupid these people were. They talk about how gullible they are. They talk about how all they need to do is play to their ego and how when they come up to them and say, Duke so-and-so or Lord so-and-so wants to host a party at your house, they knew that all these intellectuals would just be giddy about it. it The three kind of pillars of uh, influence in the country, which happen to be three things where people don't do anything. The rubber never hits the road. They never have to observe causation. They don't have to feed themselves by finding out what people really want to buy or to really produce the three, those three things are academia, media, and politics, in my opinion. Yeah. And when, and when they were subverting it a hundred years ago or whatever, maybe a thousand, I don't know, maybe 10,000, the beginning of civilization. Uh, but when, when they were subverting it, what you're talking about, that's how they would target those people. But once they, once the transition is made, I've seen this myself. I mean, it's just, it's all, all you see really in all of those arenas, 
people very quickly realize what the paradigm is, what they're expected to say or believe. And those who cater to it fall in line, super smart people who can articulate ridiculous arguments well uh, or untrue arguments or arguments that serve the interests of the of the control group, control elements, they're the ones who get promoted. So once they have the control like that, it's just a self-perpetuating mechanism. And the people at the top don't want to won't answer questions. If I if I wrote a paper at Harvard that questioned the, what this teacher wrote a book about, he's not giving me an A. <laughs> you know, he's giving me an F. <laughs> yeah. Well, what you said is about what they focus their attention on. That's that's how that's part of the propaganda strategy to manipulate anybody, really, not just them, but everybody. It's about what you can channel people's attention to because we can only hold so much in our minds at one time. So if you can control what people are focusing on, then you can control their reality. And anything they're not focusing on, they either lend no importance to because the things that we focus on, we naturally, psychologically, we lend more importance to. So if somebody's focused on Russia, Russia, Russia all the time, then that's going to be the most important issue for them while anything else that's happening, not only are they not going to see they're, they obviously can't put any importance to it if they don't see it. I read it a good example where they're talking about this is a way to overcome that type of propaganda is to do what Sherlock Holmes did. I can't remember the story, but it's the one where he solved the crime by asking what didn't happen, what wasn't there, and the dog didn't bark. Oh, the know? dog that didn't bark. Yeah, it meant it was the owner. And, and that's the whole idea. It's a propaganda of omission. And when they leave out all of this stuff that is just as important, probably more important than what they're actually talking about, then you either don't know it's there or you lend no importance to it. So the questions have to be, what are they not reporting? It is interesting because they absolutely, I, I look at that too. If they're actually talking about the weird timeline every 24 seven on Fox and CNN, obviously the weird timeline is part of the official narrative. The changes are part of that. But what they really never talk about is the true nature of power. You know, they never talk about yeah. it. Uh, I was listening to a tax reform <laughs> speech that Trump was giving. So he's he's on the road promoting tax reform. He did not go on the road to promote, promote Obamacare reform, by the way. He didn't make speeches and have press conferences and all that, laying out his plan and arguing why it was good. He just, this thing he's working for. Uh, what was I, where was I headed with that? Are you going to talk about the truckers? I was going to, no. That's so crazy. Well, I can't remember. <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah, another thing they do that you just reminded me of is they do this both ways, but there's the why question, then there's the how question. Oh, the why I question, was going to say. Yeah, the okay, why sorry. question is unfavorable. Then they're going to get you to focus on, they try to get the population to focus on the how question. An example of this was, the uh, which war was it? The the weapons of mass destruction when they didn't find the, yeah, Iraq. the evidence. Uh, yeah, what they uh, they did an embedded journalist program. The Bush did. This is something they had never done before. Everybody prior to that was asking questions. It was like, why are we in this war? Because you didn't actually find the weapons of mass destruction. By doing this embedded journalist program, they put these journalists in the heat of battle, which focused their attention on the how the war was being fought, the personal stories of the soldiers like that, these emotional stories that completely diverted attention away from the why question. So like 90% of the reporting ended up being about how the war was fought completely taking away from the question of why we actually went into the war. And that was, that was a strategy that worked very effectively during that time. 
Well, that's what you see with these mass casualty events. I mean, I, I just don't even open the paper when the whole front page is headshots of the victims. Like, that just makes me yeah. crazy. Have you seen, uh, back to the, the update, Sheriff Lombardo's update, have you actually seen the photo of the victim? Not, not, the, not his feet, but the actual leak. Oh, my gosh. It was exactly what happened to you. You mentioned happened to me. I was just reading an article, and they showed this picture of the guy's head blown off. I mean, that was it's it's like an an extension of that vulgarity thing, right? It's it's crazy. The, the fact that there's a leaked photo of that is crazy in and of itself. Not leaked, yeah. Oh, right, right. But that they're putting it in articles, it's ridiculous. Um, I would never do that. And my the question that comes to mind for me is, I don't know enough about this, but how long does it take to identify a body? Because that nobody walked in and said, "Oh yeah, that's Stephen Paddock right there. That's him." Well, but he register did he register under, under a different name? I have no idea. I don't know how he registered them. I mean, like, I mean, technically, like, we're talking about somebody whose father was a master of disguise here who they can't find any real, at least they're saying they can't find any real concrete background on him that gives them any indication of why he did this. So the fact that somebody under that name registered at that hotel, the fact that maybe they found a wallet or even a fingerprint of his in that room is not enough to say this is for sure Stephen. Oh yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. So like, how do they actually identify the body? How do we know that's who that guy is? Some people are going to say, well, he had a tattoo of a 13 on his neck, which (laughs) I don't even know if that's, it it looks a little weird in that image, but you can't tell. Like it's just, there's, I've been trying to find out how they knew for sure that this is actually his body. And I have not been able to find that piece of information anywhere. Uh, That they, that they knew it so fast. Yeah. They knew it immediately. I remember what I was going to say about Trump. What was it? Sorry. That he, uh, in his tax reform speech, mentioned the guy who owns the Patriots and he was such a great guy. And he told him to, uh, you know, you go ahead and do this tax cut for the middle class. I want them to have it. I don't want it. I want them to have it. He's such a great guy. I, he, nobody calls BS on that. Like, first of all, it's not true. I mean, I don't, I don't maybe it's true. Maybe he said that. But like, rich guys don't. <laughs> They don't want to give other people tax breaks. They want to, at their own expense. Yeah. Taxes are a big part of uh, these guys' mindset. But nobody talks about the fa- how much power there is behind the scenes. Nobody talks about that. They don't talk about it on CNN or at the Atlantic or the New Yorkers. There are no exposés about uh about the true nature of power it's the dog that didn't bark it does they don't talk about it at all they act like warren buffett gave obama a billion dollars and just sat around watching tv wondering what obama would do next yeah you know when you donate that kind of money you say you know what take the money do what you want i trust you yeah that's just just start a war don't start a war Whatever. 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 You know, if the money's yours, no strings attached. No, I don't care. You can just you can you can nuke North Korea or not. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's like Whatever. but see, it looks like Trump didn't get any money. That was a big selling point of his, which is ridiculous because it takes billions to win. So who who what do you buy with the money? You buy media coverage. How did Trump get that media coverage? Well, Jeff Zucker for one, <laughs> Rupert Murdoch, Breitbart's Mercer. You know, all those guys. So so when these guys show up, you've got to figure they expect something in return. I don't know. But but nobody ever acknowledges that there's true power, probably because the media itself has so much power. These particular guys have so much power. Yeah. Did you know that Putin 
kind of stole a New England Patriots Super Bowl ring from Bob Kraft or bullied it away? From no, him? I didn't hear that. Oh, Trump said he just got a Super Bowl ring from Bob Kraft. Well, maybe him and Putin both have one. Yes, what happened was, I don't know why he was over in Russia, but he was with Putin. And Putin noticed the Super Bowl ring. And I guess he was like, can I can I put that ring on? See what it feels like? <laughs> Whatever. He puts it on, you know. And he just kind of had it on. And then when Bob Kraft went to leave, he, he you, know, you know, where's my Super Bowl ring? It's like, what Super Bowl ring? What are you talking so about? He stole it. There's no Super Bowl ring here. And Maybe he, yeah, he just yeah. gave it to him because all these guys are in it together. Yeah. Well, Putin claims that he gave it to him. Claims Putin got a puppy as a present today. He got a puppy? Yeah, as a present today. For what? Why did he get a present? I think it was like the president of Hungary or something gave him a huge and adorable puppy. Are they dating? I don't know. I don't know. Putin likes puppies. Maybe it gets you somewhere. Yeah, I guess so. So so what What else is uh, up with the Vegas update? Okay, Are yesterday you know? there was a press conference. They have these press conferences every so often where what they do is they come out and they just completely change the entire narrative. And like you said, I think that's part of the – Part of the whole propaganda angle, but Sheriff Joseph Lombardo of the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department came out during the the press conference. This guy, this guy's a ball of tension. You can tell that he's probably being, being monitored. It looks like there's an FBI guy behind him while he's uh, giving this information, making sure that he doesn't say the wrong thing. But this guy's just a ball of stress the whole, the whole time. I thought he was going to snap on some of these some of these <laughs> journalists, but he reveals during the press conference yesterday. That this is the main takeaway for me anyway, that that guy, his name was Jesus or Jesus, the hero, the security guard from the hotel who just who originally we thought distracted the shooter, drawing his attention to him. And, you know, he was fired on. He got shot in the leg, saving the day, essentially, because he stopped the massacre. Right. That was the story before yesterday. We find out that that's not what happened. What actually happened, according to the news story, is that. Jesus, the security guard, was shot before the shooter started firing on the people at the concert. So instead of him stopping the guy, the guy shot the security guard, and then he turned his attention to the concert below. So that raises the question, who or why did the guy actually stop? And it raises a whole bunch of other questions as well, but we no longer have an answer to the question of what stopped the shooter from continuing to fire on the people below. And what's interesting about this new revelation is that the night before, the night before Lombardo gave this announcement, he was on 60 Minutes confirming the previous narrative. He was on 60 Minutes talking about the the heroism of this security guard, and I, I read the transcript, and I knew there was a video of it. I went to go find the video of it, and when I looked it up, I saw that the the video and the article was still in the Google search. You could see that. I took a picture of it. But when you click on it, 60 Minutes had already removed the video from their website. And it's interesting to me because the previous narrative didn't make sense at all. Maybe this is what they're doing. Maybe they're, they're adjusting the narrative so that it kind of actually starts to – people can justify it a little bit in their minds. But I watched this, I watched this preview of the 60 Minutes show on CBS – because I just wanted to see how they were talking about it. And this was prior to yesterday's announcement. This was the day before yesterday, before while they still thought that Jesus had you know, helped stop the shooting. So they're talking about what happened. And somebody asked the guy who hosted the 60-minute show. I can't remember the host's name. They said, so 
there's a security guard there. What happened? And the guy's like, well, the security guard came up and he wasn't responding to a shooting. He was responding to a door ajar alarm. And he walked near the door of the hotel room where Stephen Paddock was staying. And Stephen Paddock saw him on his camera monitors and he turned his attention away from shooting all the people outside and he fired 200 rounds through the wall at the security guard. And that ultimately, that is what stopped him shooting. So he is a hero because he stopped the shooting. And when you think about that story, and after he said that, another one of the CBS people jumped in and say, I want to point this out again because this is just such an amazing fact. This security guard, he was, he was unarmed, by the way. This unarmed security guard was responding to a door ajar alarm. He wasn't even responding to the shooting. And... This is a story that many people accepted prior to yesterday. And when you step back and you look at the logic of, of this story, you have, to, you have to ask yourself, is this even possible what they're describing right now? Because the sound of the gunfire coming from the hotel room was loud from 300 yards, three football fields away. It hurts your ears to hear that gunfire, right? I wonder what it sounded like from 10 feet away just outside the room. To say that a security guard that had no gun just casually approached a door because he was investigating a door jar alarm, despite the fact that deafening sounds that maybe fire or something blowing up inside the room is going on. But this guy's like, oh, I don't care about that noise. Let me go check the door jar alarm. It's absolutely absurd. This, nobody's approaching a door with that kind of noise going on. There's reports from other people in the hotel saying they heard all the noise coming. It, it made no sense to suggest that this security guard walked up to this door with this piercing noise coming from it. Well, the last thing I read said it was six minutes before it started. So you're saying that they changed that? No, he was shot six minutes before Stephen Paddock. Oh, so you're saying the original story was ridiculous. Yes, the original story was ridiculous. The original story that that he interrupted him, that he walked up to this door while the guy was – It's also absurd to suggest that Stephen Paddock can be firing these automatic weapons on thousands of people three football fields away – and also be focusing so well on his computer monitors to notice the approaching security guard. <laughs> yeah, that's a good I mean, What kind of multitasker is this guy? This well, is- they say it's not even possible that he did it himself. I mean, I think any, I anybody's, any vague understanding of these things knows. I mean, and, and on its face, it seems ridiculous. Just imagine yourself trying to do it. People's attention were focused on, Yeah, uh, they weren't focused on how, illogical that story was they were just focused on the emotional aspects of it and they're going along with this completely absurd narrative but the thing that for me always seemed crazy and maybe this is trying to distract from that when you do bad stuff like the authorities are on you so fast especially in vegas as soon as he knocked that window out my guess is he would have been stopped within two minutes And, and the idea that he was not stopped until like 18 minutes after this guy was shot and not killed is just simply not believable. And it reminds me of the uh, Alex Alexis, I think his name was, the Navy Yard shooter alleged, where the Capitol Police or the Capitol, like their equivalent of a SWAT team, was on the scene with like, (laughs) in something like a minute and a half, you know, they were there. And uh, the report that was given, like the police report or whatever, not by them, but like by a different entity, said that they didn't show up. 
and the and the and the guys on the SWAT team went went bananas and filed like a, a lawsuit against them saying we were there in a minute and a half and we were told to stand down. We were told by our guy back at the base, whatever, to stand down. And that should be in your report. And this was the thing. And you try to follow it. And the and the just like the Kate Steinle case, you try to follow it. You you try to contact those journalists, the people who are supposed to be covering it, try to follow the court case. It just disappears. Yeah. So, so I'm saying there, it's just, just envision yourself for a second, getting 23 guns up there and blowing out a window, just go up there and blow out a window, bring a sledgehammer, you know, and try to knock out a window. You know why you wouldn't? Because they would catch you so fast and you'd go to jail so hard. There'd be no getting around it. You would never, you, you could never get away with that. You couldn't just pay for the window. You'd be in big trouble real fast. Yeah, nothing about it makes sense. Another and I don't thing, even know if a sledgehammer could break a window like that. I just envision those right. kind of like high high floor kind of plexiglass things that you you kind of bounce off of. They don't yeah, they want them breaking. Really, did they say that he broke it with a sledgehammer? I, I, that was one report I heard. And I'd like to know more details that they just kind of skim over that. Yeah, and why would an old man do that? Why he's got all those guns? Just get ready. You know, if, if you're really going to do it, you got to start shooting as soon as you break that yeah. window. So you might as well shoot the window. Yeah. Unless it's going to backfire, in which case bounce off a ricochet, in which case so would a sledgehammer. Yeah. I mean, just that's just one detail. That's yeah, there's another thing in that press conference that struck me as odd. The sheriff was extremely defensive, and he obviously was withholding something. There's no doubt; they're always withholding something. But he was asked about the note. There, there, they found a note on the guys on the desk in the hotel, and it's just. Just this odd story. The night before on 60 Minutes, one of the police officers described what was on the note. He said the note had numbers on it. It only had numbers on it, right? And then they went into this long diatribe about the calculations of the bullet angle and how sophisticated it was so he could maximize the damage he did. And then they did panel discussions on CNN. They did panel discussions on MSNBC. Everybody agreed that these were the results of calculations. In reality, they were just numbers. They make you believe that the actual calculations were written on the note. The actual right. story was just final numbers. Guys who gamble, write numbers down. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. When Lombardo was asked about the note, his immediate response was, what note? No way. Yeah, he said, he said, what note? And then the reporter goes, the note that was on the nightstand by the, and he goes, there was no note. There was a document. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Unless there's something else that he's talking about. It's just kind of odd to say that there was no note because you prefer to call the note a document. It was it looked like a napkin to me that, that had something written on it. It was just an odd response. I think he's probably getting pulled around by a bunch of his superiors and being forced to not tell yeah. the truth maybe. I don't, there's something going on with him. He might end up getting in some trouble because I don't know if he wants to go along with all the stuff he's having to do right now. But the the numbers thing, you're exactly right. My guess is that that is not that is not an investigative conclusion that those were calculations. Those were probably that's probably one of the theories that people came up with, and so that theory just got promoted around as though it was proven and you know closed the book. In reality, those numbers could have been anything else. It could have been gambling numbers, just like you said. And you know what's really totally bizarre about these press conferences? What is that? A regular, like, homicide investigation, you could have a husband clearly killing his wife, and they would never say there was, like, a note there within a couple of days. They, You know what I mean? They wouldn't say it probably before the trial. Like, yeah. they well, the absolutely— the leaked photos. Yeah, they wouldn't— 
there would be none of this discussion at all. And what's obvious about these mass shootings, what and I would say like every single case is a false flag at the at least is that they they treat them absolutely sloppily. They don't have real investigations. They give information um, that might be useful. They don't investigate what really happened so that there might be other people that they find out later. This is why I absolutely positively think that every single solitary violent crime, at least, I mean, murder or even crime against property, should you should require a trial and it should be a public. You should require a public trial because if they had to prove that this guy was guilty or be liable for what they did, you know what I mean? Then they had to defend themselves for how they handled the situation. If you, you know what I'm saying? Like with the yeah. Dallas thing, they sent a robot in and blew the guy up. Right. But yeah, the, people let it go when the person's dead. Yeah. But the, but the original story absolutely was no question about it. There were three guys triangulating, which is how they were so effective. So there probably were three guys, you know, they might've been insiders, but they're probably three guys. And we will never know anything about that. And no one will ever ask because they're like, well, this guy did it. It's like, but how do you know? Well, cause we killed him doing it. Like, but how yeah. do we know that you really did that? You know, well, and you that kill him, he's guilty. That's, that's how you solve it. Okay. So when you kill him, he's guilty. Like the guy with the supposed machete in Atlanta, if if you kill him, he's guilty. But are you absolutely positive that nobody else was guilty? I mean, who taught this guy how to use these guns? Where guilt transfers to the dead. Oh, I see. So it's like it's like when you take a division, like in a company, you put all the bad businesses in one division, then just spin it off and whatever. Right. So that yeah, you can- it's like the dog. We took the dogs over to my parents' house, and one of the one of the puppies chewed up the floor a little bit, and my sister was like, "Look." I used to have my other dogs, her, her dead dogs years ago that she, she, that she used to have here used to tear up stuff uh, a little bit at the house. And she was like, we'll just tell dad. We'll blame it on the dead dogs. <laughs> we'll say it's been here for years. Uh, I hope he doesn't listen. That's so that. wrong. <laughs> they can't defend themselves. <laughs> yeah, she was like, they won't care. They'll take one for the team. They love these other guys. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you knows? see that rainbow bridge, you might have troubles. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, oh, but I just want to point out that just what I briefly saw of that press conference. So when you talk about like this guy is probably being told what to say and his head is spinning, a lot of times I think people are just faking it or whatever. And uh, but I I have noticed like the LAX shooting. You have to find that. That's like an amazing one where the guy is definitely for real, like the cop who's talking, definitely for real. And he says, wow, like what's really, really amazing about this is that we scenarioed this or whatever. Like we practiced this exact scenario to the very detail less than one month ago. Same thing happened here. Did you know that? Oh, I didn't know that. But let me just tell you. Why this is so behind him is this guy like he just looks like a G man, you know, and he just like like just rubs his face like just like puts his hand over his face for like just a split second like holy fuck. I can't believe the guy said that. And then uh, but what was crazy was that guy that G man looking guy was also standing behind uh, was a law enforcement sheriff. I can't remember who it was, but standing behind whoever was speaking or maybe he himself did the speaking for San Bernardino 
because it went so wrong with the LAX shooting, but it was the same guy. And now granted it's an FBI agent. That's I guess his region. Although LAX, I think is, I think, well, maybe it's not far from San Bernardino. I don't really know my geography, but, uh, but they, in that picture of that you're talking about for the Vegas thing, there was a guy behind him who, I don't know who he was, but I felt like that guy looked like he was, uh, there to kind of back up, so to speak, the 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 guy the the guy who had to do the talking. That oh, the guy yeah. who had to do the talking probably was looks like an FBI agent. He does. I don't know who he is, but he just had that same look. Like, all right, buddy, just keep right. talking. You know, like there's a gun in the guy's back. Right. Exactly. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah, he might as well have had a gun pointed at him, and he might as well have the FBI stamped on his forehead. Just tell him everything's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Come back later. <laughs> this angry look on his face. Because I've been interrupted on the air on WSB for press conferences where for 45 minutes, the guy says, no comment, can't release that comment, no comment, can't talk about that right now. The investigation's ongoing. So I know they do that. They do. That's that's the right thing to do. Why do they even hold the press conferences for stuff that's not? I wish somebody would just would would ask the question, who is that person behind you? (laughs) Well, he probably introduced him. I didn't see the whole beginning, middle and end there. I didn't see all of it either. He said something else. This is a great example of ambiguity and complexity as a way to avoid actually providing information. He was talking about the search for, you know, people who knew Stephen Paddock, you know, fill in some of these blanks. And, and here's what he said. This is this is the statement he said. Sheriff Lombardo said, we have uncovered over 200 instances of the suspect traveling throughout Las Vegas, and he has never been seen with anyone else. What does that mean? Uncovered 200 instances of him traveling through? I because mean, because there are cameras everywhere. And that's my question. That's what I'm <laughs> like. And, and no reporter followed up with it. Nobody's like, "What do you he mean?" Wasn't with anyone, that? but he often had a huge gun with him that he apparently stashed somewhere in this hotel. <laughs> exactly. Like, It's interesting because just the day before, although they never actually cited the name of the source, NBC was reporting – or a couple days before, NBC and a few other outlets, I think ABC, were reporting police investigators are still looking for the woman who was spotted with the shooter just days before the shooting. And I'm going, okay, what what does just days before the shooting mean? Who spotted them? They just say spotted. Who spotted them? Did a camera spot them? Did a person spot them? You know, give us nice, a yeah. And and then they followed up with that, right? There was a follow up with that. I don't I don't give much credibility to the Sun, which was reporting this because they didn't really even attempt to verify a lot of the information they were provi- providing. But the follow up was woman seen with Pat out days before, even though the the sheriff today says nobody's ever seen him with anybody else. Or woman spotted with Pat out just days before was a prostitute, and that's all the information they give. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a great guess. I mean, how many prostitutes? Half the every other person's a prostitute. <laughs> yeah, if it's late enough. It's just unbelievably confusing, and none of the reporters. Some, you know, the reporters they're just they have their questions written down. They're probably not listening anyway. How do you not follow up on that? Maybe they're, maybe they're not allowed to. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I feel like you want to ask questions and answer them. There's just no journalism anymore. I mean, that that's just, that's just gone. But uh, that's why it's hard for me to read this stuff, to try to follow up on it. And I, and I haven't also, 
Can we I, talk about the Harvey Weinstein thing for? Oh yeah, I would love to talk about that for a second. Yeah, I I can't bring myself to follow it because it is so. It seems to me so clearly a dialectic that's getting set up for some purpose. I mean, any you could find somebody with a casting couch all day long in in L.A. in Hollywood, whatever. Any or or in politics, you know, if you wanted to out people for their uh, bad behavior, sexual behavior, you could do it. So here's this guy; he's outed, and it's this big thing. Uh, people are making statements about it. Like people have nothing to do with anything. seems like a dialectic. There's another shoe to drop. This is supposed to push some idea, some agenda. And, uh, and I, and it's hard for me to follow the details because I feel like it's a, it's just a great big manipulation. Now it's important to know what, what the manipulation is. So you can kind of guard against it, but like my tolerance for it is plummeting. Well, I think there's definitely some sort of agenda there. I haven't put my finger on it, but I think that Weinstein is in on it. I think that he he's probably he's probably agreeing to be outed for this stuff like a limited hangout because he you know, this is pure speculation. I haven't looked into his background. Roger Ailes, I felt, did the exact same thing. He knew he was gonna die, steps down from Fox amid this sexual harassment scandal that came from nowhere, went nowhere. You know what I mean? I was like, what, what's that all about? And then Bill O'Reilly goes down the same way. And like, there's just all this people getting a golden parachute, crashing and burning with the sex scandal. I mean, this guy, I, I assume that he is as rich as he seems to be. But there's something about these high profile uh, dudes, sexual thing. Yeah, that. I just don't know. And I hate it. Like Obama's response was, you know, to do this to a woman is, is reprehensible. And I'm like, well, what, what if he did it to a boy or, you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's my point right there. Oh, sorry. Weinstein might be saying they might be, okay, we'll do that. We're just not going to talk about that other shit. Make me look straight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <sighs> it also, there's, you know, nobody, you can't tell anybody this who doesn't already agree with you and have them even listen to you. But there is an effort to kind of paint rich white men as the evil enemy. Oh yeah. And Weinstein might agree to be a part of that, to play into that as long as that other stuff doesn't get talked about. You know, the, the sexual stuff, Jenny tweeted something recently that was talking about what's it called? Stealthing where a guy oh, yeah. you know, slips the condom off, people are having consensual sex, and then the guy slips the condom off, that that's considered sexual assault. And there's instances where women do similar things, and there are. And she linked a video where it talks about that, and it's a perfectly – Oh, well, women have been getting pregnant on purpose. Right, that, that was what she Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, your point about him possibly agreeing to it, I felt that was true for Ailes and O'Reilly, and I, I can't think of the other people off the top of my head, but Trump is an example in my opinion. Yeah. He plays the villain. He was a wrestling guy. He was yeah, the yeah. apprentice guy. He's always the bad guy. And that's what he's fine with it. You know? right, yeah. <laughs> it seems to me, even if he's sincere, he's fine with it. That's yeah. what people like about him. He, he tells you to go fuck yourself. It's like, okay. So the reporting on the Weinstein thing, the media didn't say really say anything for a few days. And it's like, they were like, are we okay to say something? Tell us what we can say. They're awaiting. That's but the yet, story now though. 
The story is now, the story now is how long people waited to respond. Did you not know that? That was all over the news today. The entire thing. It's in my notes. I I wrote a couple of bullet points that I sent you. That's the story. That's it. So they made that. They're actually distracting. That is the story. Right. So what's funny to me about that, what's funny to me about the reporting, now I'm making it part of the story too, is that just like a week before, Cam Newton was in a press conference and a female sports reporter asked one of the strangest questions I've ever heard any reporter ask. And when she asked it, I laughed out loud. I couldn't help it. I, I was like, what, what, what does that mean? It, it was so stupid. And it doesn't, it, I didn't laugh because she was a woman. I laughed because the question was like, it's like she was yeah, trying was to be. Yeah, she was teeing it up. I've heard other types of questions like this when people are trying to fit in into somewhere that they don't really understand. Yeah. What was it? The exact wording slips my mind, but it was something like your receiver. And she was talking like that, like a millennial. She's like, your receiver has been, he's been real physical lately. And he's really been trucking his routes. Do you get some enjoyment out of seeing him trucking those routes? And it's just like, what what are you saying right now? And and he laughed at it. And then after he laughed, this is what got him in trouble. He goes, it's just funny to hear a, a female reporter ask that kind of question. And it was funny. It'd be funny. What to hear does anybody. it mean? What she was saying is your receiver has been physical. He's bumping the guy off the line. Is Cam he's, Newton gay? I, like, I don't know. I mean, Why would he I, enjoy that? I don't know. Yeah. It was just a weird way to phrase whatever she was trying to ask. But it had to have been a setup. The media it had to have been outraged. It was he's a sexist, chauvinist pig. I mean, the, the level of outrage in response to Cam Newton's con- Cam Newton lost his yogurt sponsorship like two days <laughs> later over that minor thing. When you listen to it, it's so minor, right? Harvey Weinstein allegedly rapes a bunch of girls. Nobody says anything for thirty years. You know, it's they they silence the stories on it, and even when they did start reporting it, and I know this is all all part of their thing to mess with people. Even when they did start reporting on it, it was so clearly ingenuine. They were not authentic about it at all. They might as well have been rolling their eyes. Well, I guess we got to talk about all the rape that Weinstein's been doing. Back <laughs> to how bad Trump is. Tapper opened up his show. I tried to get the clip, but I wasn't able to cut it in time. Like Weinstein only rapes women, Trump rapes everybody. <laughs> it, it, that... He opened up his show with like he did like two minutes on Weinstein, right? With his and, head cocked, with a dirty look on his face. Oh yeah, the only reason <laughs> that he did it, the only reason that he did it, was so that he could transition into doing like ten minutes on Trump being a sexual predator. Oh, uh, okay. It, it was. It was quadruple the amount of time he spent on Weinstein and his tran- it was so blatant and so obvious and the first thing that he mentioned I was wondering when this story came out I said in my mind I was like they're going to start they're going to use this to start playing the sex tape again the Trump sex tape that's happened Jimmy Kimmel started tweeting the Trump sex yeah. tape again um, that could be the point of all of this Tapper goes the president says he isn't surprised about Weinstein's act of sexual assault, yet it was just a year ago when he was being accused by 11, 11 women of sexual assault. And, and I looked into almost all of those cases. I watched the press conference. They were represented by a lord, a lord, the one who represented Cosby's victims. Oh. The uh, feminist, the, the one who was a propagandist, the one who was mentioned as Hillary's propagandist in the WikiLeaks thing. Was, her daughter is representing Weinstein. 
Yet she, oh, yeah, they were talking about her, yeah. Yeah, yet she was representing the victims who were accusing Trump. And if you watch <laughs> all the press conferences, none of these things went to trial. None of them ever would because there's nothing there. I'm not saying that Trump hasn't ever done something. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he has. But the cases they presented to the public, nothing there. They were 30-minute marketing pieces for whatever that particular person but this was this is doing. all part of the dialectic. If he If he did do something real – they wouldn't talk about that because then it wouldn't create conflict. It would be undeniable. Yeah. The signal for that for me was the very first victim. Tapper went through three of the people who accused Trump. The first girl that he mentioned, I don't recall her name at the moment, but I know who she is because I watched her press conference. She's a porn star. And Tracy Lord? Do what? Oh, sorry. Tracy Lord is a porn star, right? Oh, I don't know. That, that's not the one that I'm thinking. Okay. I'm talking about. The one that, <laughs> I was like, his his PR chick is a porn star. Oh no, maybe. I think I missed that. <laughs> Let me get you a better job. You know, I don't know. <laughs> but the first one that Tapper talked about that accused him, she's a porn star, and that is the case that I looked into the most. Not because she's a porn star, but because her <laughs> press conference was so absurd and idiotic. It was like a clown show. She described what Trump did, right? And her description, because I remember it vividly, her description was something like, I was at a golf event and I had a booth set up. There's a bunch of people with booths set up and my entertainment company, the one that I work for, we had our booth there and I walked around with Donald Trump. We walked around the golf course for a couple of hours. He walked me to my room and he got my phone number and he tried to hug me. He hugged me tight and he wouldn't let go and he wanted to kiss me. And then later, later on, he contacted me to, to come up to the room and, in, and then he comes up to the room and me and some other girls are there and he wants to come in and stay. At that point, I stopped and I'm like, okay, her only accusation was that he like grabbed her too tight when he was hugging her and then he tried to kiss her, right? And I'm like, wait a minute. So why did you let him come up to your room when he called you again? And then I'm like, wait a minute, what is she even doing at this event? So I looked her up. I looked up what she does at these events. They go to these events with these billionaires like Trump, and they send her and they send these other prostitutes. They go there for the specific reason to flirt and throw themselves at billionaires to try and get them to invest into their movies, their porns. And I looked at pictures of her at other events, and the pictures are her leaning up against a desk in a thong, sticking <laughs> up in the air with a line of men Googling at it. This is what she does at these events. So you're telling me she's innocently standing there, walking around with Trump for an hour, and he's making these unwanted advances. And then he comes up to the room, and you and three other chicks are half naked. He's thinking he's hit the freaking jack. This isn't sexual assault. I remember back in New York when they used to say that this is like decades ago that he would point at chicks in the a stadium or the arena or whatever, and that Bill Clinton used to do the same thing and and say go proposition her to meet me whatever afterwards. I mean that kind of stuff that was those kind of rumors were rampant back in the day and I never heard anybody talk about that. My guess is that there might be some truth to that stuff, but they don't bring out the stuff that yeah uh that they bring out the absurd is what they bring out. Yeah, but uh, I I another thing about like the sexism and stuff people don't talk about I Politishark just retweeted an article that said 65% of Americans want Michelle Obama to run for president, something like that. 50% of them are Republicans who want a Republican to win, maybe, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't believe that's No, true. no, me neither. However, what nobody points out is that 
both Hillary and Michelle, I mean, is the only way to be president as a Democrat to marry into it, like is as your status as a wife? I mean, that's like your classic sexism. Yeah, it's crazy. You're right. Unless the argument's like, well, they made a good decision, okay? No, you can't say that. Getting an MRS in uh, college is not considered a valid career choice. I would love if Michelle Obama ran for office because you know somebody's going to demand to see her vagina to prove that she's a woman. I have read those. Now, that's the kind of conspiracy theory that I think is put out there to uh, discredit <laughs> conspiracy theories. Yeah. Atlian left us a comment. Oh, yeah, yeah. What was it? He said, wish I could find the source for the dude I saw on C-SPAN talking about how many people could be culled to be left with the optimal economic zone size in the world of tomorrow. It was way less than a million people per region. Now, I don't know how many regions there are, but uh, I guess we were talking about the Georgia Guidestones, which say you want the population of Earth to be down to 500 million. And that, uh, and Gates says it should be like three billion. And this is the kind of stuff that, like, when you're talking to liberals who absolutely believe the New York Times is God's honest truth and the Wall Street Journal is a rag, they, they, they don't even think about this stuff, which is in evidence. I mean, people write this stuff and you just have to dig in a little bit and evidence that people would like a Kissinger write stuff or, memos that come out of of the white house over the decades this stuff is real these 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 guys are engineering the planet yeah with our money right you're right they divert people away from the evidence of that somebody was talking about soros the other day it might have been tapper it was one oh, of those... that's a huge dialectic now too like no I soros agree. is just the guy the fact that he's out in public is it's a yeah. little bit suspicious but but there is no doubt that there is video of him talking about his time when he was a kid, talking about how he had oh, no yeah. over what he did. Yet they were talking about the accusations of that. Somebody they <laughs> it's a sixty minutes of, interview. Do what? It's a sixty minutes I interview. Know, it's a sixty minutes interview. I think there's an, another interview as well. His book. Say, do what? His book. His book, his book has the most damning quotes in it that you've ever read. He thinks he's right. a freaking messiah. But yet they were, they literally, I think it might have been Alex Jones. I can't remember who they were trying to discredit, but they were saying so-and-so claims that George Soros was a Nazi sympathizer. And, you know, whatever definition you want to call what he did, you can describe what he did and then let people determine what, you know, the meaning of it for themselves. But they said, no, he never actually said that he did that. Here's a video clip. And they showed like 20 seconds of a video clip of an interview with Soros. And then they didn't show anything else. And that was their proof. Nope, he didn't say that. He never said what they claimed he said about his childhood. About And it was Tapper. I'm pretty sure it was Tapper. He's like, no, he didn't help find Jewish people when he was a kid in Nazi Germany. No, he didn't do this in Nazi, Germ in Nazi Germany. And then I went and found the clip right after that where Soros himself admits to doing everything that Tapper just told his audience that he never did. I have an idea of what some of this might be, not that in particular. No, it might be that, but I wonder if some of this stuff is, I know they've actually done this with media stories. They have done experiments like how the internet versus print media, Wikipedia versus the newspaper, but it's like the, if you've ever taken a test like a radioactive isotopes, you have to drink the radioactive stuff and then they take a test uh, and, and the, maybe it's a cancer test. I don't know. And the radioactive stuff will 
make the cancer glow. Like it'll just, it'll just, or it'll show the pathways of your veins, you know, that, that they actually release this stuff, which is like untrue just to see how deep it penetrates. Like Aldous Huxley, when he said 20% of the people believe everything, 20% of the people you cannot fool. We've got to work on the middle 60. Maybe they're trying to actually refine if the 20% who don't believe stuff ever penetrate that 60% they're trying to influence by, by like Jake Tapper, for example, putting out something that's absolutely not true or Anderson Cooper or Don Lemon or any of those guys put stuff out there and just to see if their audience ever crosses over. Yeah. You know, I think they might be in a trial stage right now, but speaking of George Soros, I knew that whole dialectic jump the shark when I was in England and I saw in the newspaper there a story and the picture inset was a billboard of George Soros in Hungary saying his evil plot to influence our immigration policy. <laughs> this is the man, you know? Yeah. That's that's so it's clearly he's the face of the conspiracy, which in itself is is that thing where it's like it's like the dead man gets all the guilt. The dead man gets the guilt. That's our theme. There is definitely something going on with with all this uh the dialectics are reaching a fever pitch. And I and I will just add that like a dialectical scenario, I'm, one of the books I'm reading right now is The Ideology of Tyranny, which I've mentioned before. But the dialectic scenario is absolutely no way to run a two-party democracy. I mean, I understand that's the whole two-party psyop, but it just like the pendulum swings back and forth with like this, like people go insane that the other side went and then insane. Whereas like with Sweden before Olaf Palm was assassinated uh, and for a long time after that, they basically like they just agree on stuff like there isn't any kind of conflict. They're all socialists. It's a small country, blah, blah, blah. But here this. So the ideology of tyranny talks about how that uh that conflict is deliberately promoted so that we don't all stop down and say, Hey man, let's just, you know, at the federal level, let's just enforce the constitution. And then at the state levels, we can break up the way we want to like California can be Sweden and, uh, you know, Georgia can be Lithuania or whatever. They, they keep us like that so that we don't realize how we're getting screwed, but it's really getting. Yeah. They create so polarized, so emotional, so intense that the only time the two extremes agree and get together is when they're attacking the lunatics in the middle who ask questions, who, who you know, the people who aren't pulled to either side. That's the only time these two extremes can get together is when people who are being reasonable, they need to attack them and silence them. Even then, I mean, it's just based on, on – uh on hate, like who makes you pissed off more. And then that's how it's all. But anyway, I think we've got to uh, conclude the show. That's right. That's right. You got to, I I don't know where you're going, but I know you got to go. Yes. Domestic duties. You know, my number one job. Domestic duties. Being a mom. Uh, So this does conclude another episode of the Propaganda Report. If you enjoyed the show, share it. And, uh, uh, actually, our last show was wildly successful. So if you had, didn't hear it, be sure to go back to listen to the one about the Las Vegas uh, shooter where I lay out and Binkley also what we think the agenda items were, what the kind of underlying um, gun control uh, goals are. Just there's a lot of uh, jam-packed stuff in there that that um, 
you might want to listen to more than once, I think. Anyway, that's it. Thank you so much, Binkley. Uh, this is Monica Perez. Goodbye. See you later. <laughs>